Recently, um, I finished a series, a consecutive expository uh, series in the Old Testament book of Micah. And uh, beginning as of right now, unless the Lord uh, somehow changes my mind or tells me to, uh, some other, lets me know some other way, uh, beginning next week, I'm going to start a New Testament, new New Testament series. Um, and so this is a great time to get started in, a, in, a, in the longest and most uh, uh, words book of all the New Testament. And that is the Gospel of Luke. So I'm going to be starting next week an expositional series in which we go through the, the chapter uh, verse by verse uh, going through the whole gospel of Luke. And uh, I've never, never preached through the gospel of Luke and I'm looking forward to what the Lord is going to show us together uh, in, uh, in this uh, opportunity. But today is Resurrection Day. So let's... We're going to look at something a little more specific. Our scripture reading for this message today entitled Cheating Death. Our scripture reading comes from Luke 24, 1 through 9 and John 20, 24 through 29. Remind you, this is the word of the Lord. Hear it with careful appreciation and attention. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, Behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground. And the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee? that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the marks of the nails, and to place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here 
and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God abides forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you, by your power, brought Jesus Christ, our living hope, alive again from the dead, no more to die. Father, help us gain perspective on that amazing, wonderful morning so long ago and yet it speaks of forever after for those who know the one who is the resurrection and the life give us insight lead us into the truth of your word and grant that we will have faith to believe and we pray in Jesus name amen You've all heard it said that there are only two things in life that are certain, death and taxes. They are both said to be inevitable. You can't escape them. You can't get around them. But almost 2,000 years ago, the disciple of Jesus that came to be known as Doubting Thomas really probably should have got a little bit better take than he gets. Maybe he should have been rightfully called Rational Thomas because when the other disciples report that Jesus is alive on that first Easter morning and Thomas wasn't there when he had come the first time and he wasn't there when the women... So he's thinking, are you out of your mind? Our Lord is dead. It's not going to help us to keep pretending. Thomas must have thought they had lost their senses. And if you read the gospel account of the post-resurrection hours, it's obvious that Thomas was in good company. Those that had seen the Lord in the outset, they just thought, it's over. This is the end. Everyone was caught off guard by the resurrection of Jesus. 
They were all in mourning. They weren't saying, well, you know, it's just about another couple of hours and Jesus is going to be coming out of that tomb. No, no, nobody, even though Jesus told them he would. They couldn't see it. They couldn't believe it. They couldn't understand it. They were all in mourning, hiding, heartbroken and hopeless because everyone knew death can't be cheated. That's the question begged in my title, Cheating Death. You see, their heroic attempt to do so is the subject of many things. Men and women trying to find a way to not go out of this life in this position. But somehow to go on in this. It's been a quest in the human heart down through the ages. The heroic attempt to do so was the subject of a movie entitled The Seventh Seal by director Ingmar Bergman, Swedish or Finnish uh, director. And in that movie, there is a showdown between a great knight and death. And they play chess to find out of whether there might be immortality for the knight if he can beat and cheat death. Down through the ages also, mankind has been very active trying to, in some very bizarre practices, trying to find a way to discover immortality. Like bathing in soured milk. That was Cleopatra. Ingesting mercury. That was some of the Chinese emperors in the third century. Even finding a fountain of youth. That was Alexander and none other than our nearby Ponce de Leon. But perhaps... Transhumanisms take the cake. Transhumanism takes the cake with its dreams of uploading one's consciousness into the cloud before you die and thus be able to live on forever. <laughs> Are you kidding me? But are these humanity's best hope? Of cheating death? Is, is this the best we can do? Is this the best swing that can be taken against this stealer of life? The truth is, without the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave, Christianity is simply one of very many interesting philosophical systems. If Jesus is still in that tomb, then no matter what we as Christians claim and say, we're just at best just one among a very crowded field. But if the resurrection of Jesus 
if it happened. Christianity is utterly unique in all it has to offer for this death-dominated world. It is utterly unique, can't be compared, can't be put on the scale. Any No, totally different animal in another complete world. You see, death was never part of the plan. Immortality was the intention of the Creator to live in fellowship with God on His world and never die. But Satan climbed over the gate and seeded creation with death in the rebellion of our first parents, and we've been doubling down on it ever since. It was intended. His intent was to make now death, which came as a punishment. God had warned that if they ate of the tree, they would lose life. Was intended as a lasting symbol of rebellion, insult. And Satan saw it as a challenge to God himself. But God patiently took a long time, but he had a plan. And when we fell into sin... And became that cup that Miss Louise was showing you full of goo and gunk and dirt and defilement. That's what happened to our hearts. That's why we're not good enough for God. That's why Christ had to come. But God patiently bided his time. And he moved through his promises and through his prophets He moved to take back his creation by sending his own son into the heart of enemy territory. Right in the lair of Lucifer, he sent his son on a mission. And that mission is described in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, meaning Jesus, Likewise partook of the same things. In other words, he became one of us. That through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. And deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Because of sin, we die. Because of sin, we are, even before that, in subject to fear and lifelong slavery. The resurrection of Jesus, though, shattered the greatest power that Satan has, and that is fear. That is fear. What's going to happen to me when I die? 
what's going to happen to me if I don't come back? Fear of our mortality and fear of what is beyond. Fear of facing death here and then fear of facing what is out there. Beyond. But Jesus' tomb, you see, was cold and dark. But God rolled away the stone. And remember I said he did it. He rolled it away. They rolled it away, the angels, to let the disciples in. Jesus didn't have any problem going out on his own. But God rolled away the stone and flooded the interior with a golden light of dawn. And Jesus walked out unassisted through the same entrance that they put him in. After he was crucified, dead, and buried. And they carried him through these three days. And then he began to make house calls. He began to make house calls. He started appearing. First to the women. Then to other women. And then to some of his disciples. And then into the whole group of his disciples. And finally into Thomas. Finally got in on the good news and believed. And then showed himself to 500 according to Luke. 500 people saw the risen Christ. You see, doubt about the resurrection is common enough. Doubt is common enough. Even the disciples had their doubts until they saw him. And remember when finally Thomas saw him and said, my Lord and my God, Jesus said, come on. Put your hand in here. Thomas, he didn't go, wouldn't go near. He didn't have to. He said, unless I, no. He knew then. He had seen the risen Christ. You see, the resurrection is, is so wonderfully, I've, I've read this quote, uh, poem in several contexts through, through the years, but it, it's just so perfect for this for this setting here and, and, and when Thomas comes into the room. And again, remember, the room was locked. There was no way for anyone else to come in. And yet Jesus appears in their midst. This is a, 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 a poem called Open by Lucy Shaw. Listen. Doubt padlocked one door and memory put her back to another the forces of darkness trying to hold something back still the damp draught seeped in though fear chinked all the cracks and blindness boarded up the windows in the darkness that was left, defeat 
crouched in a cold corner. Then Jesus came, all the doors being shut, and stood among them. All the powers of hell were cringing, hiding, because they knew he was coming. And he was coming to take back everything that had been stolen. And be the light, rightful king. The resurrection, you see, is proof that life doesn't end with death. Because God is more powerful than Satan. And when believers close their eyes here, what Jesus did in rising from the grave guarantees something else. We will open them again there in the presence of God. What happened here when we die, when our eyelids are closed in death, when we soar to worlds unknown, as the hymn says, we will open them again in the presence of God. You see, the point of life isn't to collect as many toys as possible, or it's too late for that. Nor is it to waste your precious few years of trying to postpone death. That's what a lot of people are doing. They're just running around trying to postpone death. That's all they think about. That's all they live for. How can I insulate myself from death? And we've already seen that's a dead end. There's only one who's been there and lives to tell and has come back from there. And it's only in trust in him can we find that peace instead of fear. You see, never confuse life with postponing death. The point of life is to discover a death-defying hope and live in light of it. Listen to what John 11, 25-26, this is Jesus speaking. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then Jesus asked this question. Then and now, do you believe this? Do you believe this? You see, that's how you can cheat death. By believing in the resurrected one who took your sin and drank your cup of wrath and then fills you by his grace with living water. Just like Miss Louise pointed out today. You see, Easter's not about renewal and about new beginnings. 
It's not about the idea of the resurrection that liberals love to talk about. That nonsense won't cut, cut it against the grim specter of death. When the church first began for almost 300 years, why were there so many of the Christians that were willing to lay down their lives for the confession that Jesus is Lord? All they had to do was say, uh, well, he's important, but he's not, he's not, he's not on the same, same level as Caesar. And they would have been okay. They could have gone on living their lives. But they didn't. So many of them gave up their life with Jesus is Lord. Curios Christos. Jesus is Lord. How could they do that? How do you have that much courage? How do you rid yourself of so much binding fear? You see, it's because they knew they had already died to all of the old dreams for this life. They were dead men walking the whole time they were here. But they knew it was just a moment in what Jesus, the risen Christ, had prepared and promised them. You see... You just can't scare dead people. You can't scare a dead person. Did you know that? Try as you might. In, in Christ, we died. In Christ, we rose again and rise again. That's why they could do that. Because they were already dead. Paul said it, for me to live is Christ, and to die it's gain. Only in his death and resurrection is it possible for us to also die to all the old agendas and rise to a changed life that is no longer crippled by fear. Remember, that's Satan's greatest tool. That's his greatest asset, his greatest weapon. But Jesus has come and ripped that out of his hand. You see, because of the resurrection of Jesus, his people, those that put their trust in him and him alone for salvation. That's how simple it is. Stop trusting whatever else you're doing Give it all up, let it go, and run to Jesus. Embrace and say, Jesus, you are the only one that can bring, take away my fear. You're the only one that can bring me into life eternal. As you promised to be the resurrection and the life. You see, those that put their trust in him alone for salvation will one day imitate him. He's the firstborn from the dead. He's not the last. And there will be countless, countless numbers of those that will be with him through all eternity. 
because he is the one that won the victory. His be the victor's name. Who fought the fight alone. Triumphant. Victory. Christ brought back. To his throne. You see we will one day. Imitate him. Here's how Paul said it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 55. 51 through 55. He's talking to Christians. He says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. In other words, we're not all going to go into some kind of soul sleep and die and just be there. Well, put the, put the body away somewhere. No, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. This is when Christ comes again the second time. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. And when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and when the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? You recall the first, the third verse of the first hymn that we sang today. Christ the Lord is risen today. Let me read it to you again. Lives again our glorious King. Alleluia. Where, O oh death, is now thy sting? Alleluia. Once he died, our souls to save, hallelujah. Where thy victory, O grave, hallelujah. With faith in Christ, now because of what Jesus has done as the risen one, if you believe in him to death, you can say, Checkmate. Checkmate. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you.